Hebrews 10, verses 5 to 7. And, and um, now you'll, you'll recognize that this is, this is Jesus speaking, well, it's talking of Jesus. And it says, Therefore, when he came into the world, capital H, says Jesus, right? When he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you didn't desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do your will, O God. So this is Jesus speaking. And this is agenda, right? Jesus is one and only agenda to do your will, O God. Jesus didn't have an agenda to make his name famous. It was going to become famous. It had to become famous so that all could be saved. But his agenda was one and only thing, to do the will of God. And in doing that will of God, he would become that perfect and acceptable sacrifice. I see two sacrifices here. I see one which would be Jesus, whose heart's desire was to do the will of God, and because of that, he would become that perfect, acceptable sacrifice. And we see another sacrifice that God speaks of in the beginning. He says, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. And just that, 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 that line there, you had no pleasure, just jumped off the page at me when I was reading this the other day. And today I want to talk about the will of God and the pleasing sacrifice. Because there are sacrifices that aren't pleasing to God. And I want to talk today about the pleasing sacrifice. What's the pleasing sacrifice to God? And in thinking of it, the first thing that came to mind was those first two sacrifices that we read of in the Bible. Do you remember Cain and Abel? And they both brought offerings and sacrifices to God. And with one, God was pleased, and with the other, he wasn't pleased. So I want to just go through to Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. Genesis 4, 1 to 7. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at your door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. But you should rule over it. Similarity, two brothers, and both brought what they had. One brought this, this offering of, of the sheep that he, that he tended, and the other brought an offering from the produce of the land. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, we, we won't go there now, but you can just make a note. Hebrews eleven four says that by faith, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. More excellent, not because it had more monetary value, not more excellent because it was God's favorite meal or something crazy, but more excellent because it was brought God's way 
on God's terms and by faith. Abel's offering is excellent in that and that it is according to the revealed will of God. And if we had time, we could go back and we could look at that first Adamic covenant in Genesis 3.21, and we could see where, where God had clothed his parents, Adam and Eve. He clothed them with, with tunics, with the skins of animals, where, where the blood of animals had been shed, and the, their skins had provided a covering for the sin of his parents. So, And if you look at the, the offering that, that um, Abel's brought you, it could be something straight out of the book of Leviticus or, 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 or Exodus. I mean, there, there's the fat offering. He's brought, um, uh, Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. You know, that, uh, and, and of their fat. There were fat offerings in the law. There were, there were, there were firstborn offerings. You know, every, every male that, that, that opens the womb as man says the Lord. You know, this is just, it's just pointing to, to the fact that the brothers knew there was a revealed will of God how God should be approached by them. And they knew it. And Abel brings this excellent offering in that he does it, he does it God's way. And in doing so, it's a confession of his sin. He confesses his sin, and it's an expression of, also of, of his faith in, in the intervention of a substitute. The, the, the theological term there is the interposition of a, of a substitute. So he's, he's acknowledging by bringing this blood sacrifice, he's acknowledging that he has sinned, and, and he's expressing faith in, in the interposition, in the, in, the, in the ability for someone else to stand in and be the substitute for his sin, that blood could be shed, that he could go free, the blood of an innocent one. In Genesis 4, 7, if we can put that back up again, God talking to, to Cain says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you don't do well, sin lies at your door. Now that word that God uses there for sin is exactly the same word that he uses for sin offering. He says, you might as well say the sin offering lies at your door. Sin lies at your door. In, in, in doing this, God emphasizes his complete identification with the, with the sin of the believer, with the sin offering. Do you get that? When he sees you, when he sees the sin, he says, I identify that with the sin offering. He links the two. It's like in accounting terms. You would have a balancing debit and a credit. When I see the debit, I look for the credit. When I see your sin, I see the sin offering. It's balanced. He's not looking on you as a sinner. He's looking at the sin offering and says, you walk free. You don't pay the price. It's paid for you. There's a balancing entry. The sin is paid. Romans 3, 23 to 26. Fantastic texture. We're going to go a little bit deep today. I hope you guys don't mind, but we will keep it short. All right. Romans 3, 23. And then we're going to break bread together. Sandy's going to come and we're going to have, an off, you know, have, uh, have communion together. But I just wanted to dig into this today a little bit because, you know, we don't need pie in the sky. Come fly away with me on the rapture bus. We want some steak on the plate, right? Let's, let's have some meat today. So, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation. As a propitiation. In other words, to, to take our place uh, by His blood. Because in His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. 
to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, to demonstrate at the present time his, capital H, God's righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God had passed over the sins of those previously committed through the, through the substitutionary death of, of an innocent lamb, through the blood of an animal. He had covered the sin. But a just God can't just pass over sin when there isn't payment for it. An animal can't pay the price for the sin of you or I. But when God says, listen, you believe in me, you put faith in me, you trust in me that I'm telling you, do it this way. Let that blood be shed. And when I see that sin, I identify it with the sin offering. That way I don't bring judgment on you. And in the fullness of time, I'll bring my own son, and he will come, as we read there in Hebrews chapter 10, a, a body you have prepared for me, that he could live that perfect, spotless life and become the Lamb of God, the sin offering. So when God looks on your sin, he sees the sin offering, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. doesn't just cover it, he takes the sin away. The sin is removed once and for all. Do you get this? Jesus takes away the sin once and for all. Romans 8, 31 to 34 therefore says, Then what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who didn't spare his own son. I prefer the translation that says, He who didn't withhold his own son. He didn't withhold his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not with him also freely give us all things, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It is God who justifies. Jesus is the one who went to the cross for you. It's his blood that was shed for you, that your sin could be washed away. Who is going to bring a charge against you? God is the one who justifies you. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore, who is also risen who's even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. We sang a song just now, and I just wrote down this line, it says, my sin was great, but your love was greater. We sang it earlier, my sin was great, but God's love was greater. No matter what you've done, God's love is greater. He's paid the price. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's love is greater. God's love is greater. In the context of looking at the offering that is acceptable and that is pleasing to God, we see that Abel's was an acknowledgement of sin. Abel's offering was an acknowledgement of sin. It was, it was an expression of, of faith. Cain's, Cain's act of worship was destitute of, of any adequate sense of, of, of remorse, of any adequate sense of personal guilt, of any adequate sense of a need for atonement. His worship was self-willed. He brought what he wanted to. I know what you desire of me, God, but this is what I'm willing to bring. This is what I do, so you must accept me on my terms. It's self-willed. It's self-willed. He becomes angry with God. He gets angry with God. He refuses to bring a sin offering. God warns him. You can almost hear God shouting out to him in those verses when he says, listen, sin is crouching at your door. If you do well, won't you be accepted? And he refuses. Instead, he murders his brother. He murders his own brother. 
rather than, than yield himself to God's way. He lies to God. When God says to him, where is, your, where is your brother? He says, am I my brother's keeper? How would I know? He lies to God, and he becomes this vagabond on the earth, this, this, this loser, this, this wanderer in the earth. That was the offering. That was the, the worship that, that Cain brought. Hebrews 10 said that in sacrifice and burnt offerings, you had no pleasure. In the, in the superficial, in the external sacrifices that we can bring to God, he has no pleasure. He's not looking for sacrifices. He's not looking for what you can do for him. It's what's going on on the inside. It's, 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 a, it's a desire to become like Jesus, to say, I will only do what the Father tells me to do. I'll speak the things the Father tells me to say, to be yielded to his will. So Cain acknowledges God. Just, in the, just by bringing an offering to God, he acknowledges God as the source of all natural good. But he rejects his revealed way of worship. How did Abel get it so right and his brother get it so wrong? Was Abel just lucky? <laughs> but don't believe in that. Don't believe in that. The fat offering, the firstborn, that, that was the law hundreds of years before it was ever brought out. It was, the, it was the Adamic covenant. They knew what to do, but one chose to bring the offering that was of, on his terms. Abel points to the sacrifice that God is looking for, that, that yielding of his will to God's will. This is, the, this is the only sacrifice that is pleasing to God. He yields to the Father's will, and he does it by faith. Faith that I've messed up. I can't bring you anything that's of sufficient value to cover what I've done wrong. I can't cover it. But I do trust in you that if I do it your way, that if this poor animal dies in my place and his blood is shed for me, I can be brought back into right standing with you. It's entirely by faith, but it's an acknowledgement of my sin. It's by faith. And Hebrews 11:6 6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? So, Romans 12.1, Paul speaking now, New Testament, Paul, I beseech you therefore, I beg you, I earnestly beg you, brethren and sisteren, by the mercies of God, <laughs> that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know, some have said that it's, it's easier to die for a cause than to live for one sometimes. But it's that we should live, present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God. This is what is acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. It's our reasonable act of worship, another translation says. This is our reasonable act of worship. Your sin is identified in the sin offering. Everything you possibly ever did wrong, even the th sin that you will commit in the future, not that we sin on purpose, but every sin you will ever commit, it's identified in the sin offering in Jesus. When the Father sees you, when, he see, when, he, when, when the enemy comes and he says, the, 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 the accuser of the brethren, when the accuser comes and he says to the Father, look at, look at Byron, look what he's done. The Father looks at Byron and he says, yeah, I see that, but there, 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 there's the balancing entry. There's the sin offering. It's covered. It's covered and it is removed. It was paid for. Everything we ever did wrong was taken and laid on Jesus, and he bore it at that cross. 
And the Bible says that he was marred more than any man, so that his, he, wasn't even, he didn't even resemble a human being. That wasn't on earth, because on earth, people have suffered horrendous things. I mean, the, you know, the, the Twin Towers and all that, you know. Jesus was whipped, it was horrendous. But, but that wasn't where that, that marring happened, I don't believe. Because you see, the, it's, it's appointed unto man once to die, and thereafter the judgment. Jesus entered into judgment after he died. What he suffered before was just a taster. It was just a loosening up, in a sense. But it was when he was in hell for three days that it took the power of Almighty God to raise him back up again. <laughs> it took the power of God to raise him back up. He bore the sin of every person who would possibly ever believe in him. So, Romans 10, God takes no pleasure in, in, in just the external, in the superficial. Let me do this for you, God. I'll throw 10 pence in the offering. I'll, I'll whatever. But he does take pleasure in lives that are subjected to him, that, are, that, that will allow ourselves to become subject to his ways, that, will, uh, that we will be yielded to his will. And Abel showed us how by, by faith, by doing life his way, Remember Sandy shared last week, but don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is by understanding what the will of God was and by, be, by walking in his ways. That's what matters. It's about a life yielded to God. This, this is the sacrifice that is pleasing to God, a life that is, that is yielded to him. In Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, we won't have time to read it because there's a long, it's a long script, uh, text there. But if you go and read Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, it talks about the, the rest of faith. And it tells us how the, 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 the children of Israel, when God brought them out of, of bondage, out of slavery, they couldn't enter into his rest because of, because of unbelief. Because they had stubborn hearts and they refused to believe. They were full of unbelief and they rebelled against God. And he says, but, but for us today, you children of God, there is still a rest that we can enter into. And, it, and he says, make every effort to enter into this rest. And it's the rest of faith. There is a, there is a rest to be had in faith. We don't have to be like those apple trees saying, apples, apples, I must produce apples and getting constipated. You know, we can rest in God. We can rest in faith, knowing that he's done it for us, but we must make every effort. 1 Peter 5, 7 says that, casting, that we should cast all our cares upon him, for he cares for us. Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. There's a rest in faith. There's a rest in this. Cast your care upon him. Have faith. He cares in you. You can cast your care upon him and leave it there. But it doesn't start there. It starts in verse 5 when he starts talking about this. He says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Well done. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You know, Abel, the name Abel means exaltation. Abel means exaltation, or that which is ascended. Abel humbled himself. Even his name gives us the clue. He humbled himself and did things God's way. 
It wasn't just because he was a shepherd that he had a sheep to offer. He just did it God's way. God says, humble yourself under my mighty hand. Know that I am God. It's not by might or power. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. The only true victory we'll ever get is by the victory which God brings us. God's will for your life is that you humble yourself under his hand. Let's not be like Cain and do it the old Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. I won't sing for you. One thing I cannot do is sing. Another thing I can't do is sing. Let's not be a Frank Sinatra. Let's not do it our way. We need to humble ourselves under the hand of God. Receive his instruction. Receive it. Receive God's word. Receive God's word as if it were, as if your life depended on it. It does. Your life, your well-being, your future happiness, your prosperity, that of your children and your children's children, depends on us living our lives well. We don't control the future like Sandy's been sharing. We can't control it. But it isn't just a case of case, sarah, sarah, what will be, will be. The future is not ours. We can sow into the future. What you sow is what you reap. So we can't control exactly what will happen in the future, but we can certainly control what we're going to reap in the future. We sow the right seeds now for our lives, for our future happiness, for our future prosperity, for every area of our lives, for the children and the children's children. Be sowing the right seeds now, and we will reap a harvest. So we need to live like our lives do depend on living by God's ways, on receiving His instruction. It is incredibly important. The whole thing from God's perspective is that it's not about what we do. It's not what you can do for God. You can't do anything for God with, 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 with any talent or ability that he didn't already give you anyway. Anything we can do for him is, is, is just giving back what, what he's already given us. It's all about a heart transformation. It's about being changed in, your very, in our very being, in who we are, on the inside of us. It's about changing. Romans 8.29 says, For this was a thing for whom he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. The only thing that matters to God is, is, is not what you can do for him, but who you are and who you are becoming. That's the only thing that matters. It's about being conformed to the image of Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You are a little brother, a little sister of the Lord Jesus Christ. God says so. He says so. He's paid the price for you. There's nothing that you could ever do that would make him shun you. Nothing. He loves you. He's for you. He will take care of you. But he says, just live in my way. Sow the right seed, and you will have a good harvest. It doesn't mean you won't have difficulties to overcome, but he will walk with you. He will be with you. So, for those of you who are taking notes, <clears throat> I'm going to give you 10 steps now to doing the will of God. I'm joking, man. If you ever wanted to throw something at me, that was your opportunity, right? No, there are no 10 steps to following God's will for your life. There's one. Just yield yourself to his will. Just be willing. You know, those who are willing and obedient will enjoy the good of the land. Be willing and obedient. Just, to, just delight yourself in God. Read his word like your life depends on it, because it does. Your future happiness does. That of your children and those around you. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Your sin is in the sin offering. He died for us that we should live for him. He died for us that we should live for him. 
You know, he is our saviour, but he needs to be our Lord as well. You know, the, 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 the supreme commander of our lives. I need to be yielded to him. He is God. I am not. And John says, no one can call him Lord but by the Spirit of God. Now, now anybody, any heathen can say the word Lord, can say the word Lord, but nobody can call him Lord. No one, no one can, you cannot yield to him as the Lord of your life without the Holy Spirit in you, teaching you to humble yourself, to, to bow the knee to him and to accept your will in his life. So that is what we want to do. We, we want to bow the knee on the inside. You know, it's like that, that little boy in the classroom and he was making a lot of noise and he was standing up and the teacher said to him, sit down, and they refused. Sadly, this kid's, kid's name happened to be Johnny. I'm sorry, Johnny, nothing personal. And the kid said to him, Johnny, sit down or you're going to go to detention. And so Johnny sat down <laughs> and he said to his mate next to him, he says, I might be sitting down on the outside, but inside I'm still standing up. Yeah? We want to be sitting down on the inside. We need to bow the knee on the inside. It's, it's all about, it's about what's going on inside of us. There is, there is a sacrifice that isn't acceptable to God, that, is, that gives him no pleasure. It gives him no pleasure when we just, this is what I'll do for you, this is what I'm willing to give you, God. But then there's that sacrifice that is pleasing to him. So, let's be conformed, metamorphosized, if that's the word, metamorphosized, into the image of Jesus as we yield to his spirit in us.